Today's Real Talk, the show focused on North Carolina real estate, business, and life. My name is Justin Kazepis, and normally right now, if you were on WSICnews.com or any of the social platforms, you would be seeing Bill the Buffer in this particular chair, but he has gone for an appointment. So I'm sitting in the bullpen, and I have a special guest today. I have someone who has been around a lot longer than I have in the Lake Norman area. Look, I'm not even a true native. So sometimes people say that I'm a native and I have to kind of like do this thing. Well, I'm not really a native, but like I, I consider this home a native because while I wasn't born here, it's the only memories I have. This guy actually is, are you a native here actually? Wait, oh my goodness. I don't even know if you are a native, sir. Let's find out right now. We've got Senator Jeff Tart sitting in the chair right now. And look, the camera's all sloppy sideways. See, this is this is that top-notch production that happens here at WSIC when I am in control. <laughs> Senator Jeff Tart sitting in the chair. I'm actually allowed to call you that, right? Like, isn't Senator one of the ones where you carry the title? Like, how does that work? Yeah, the protocol is absolutely. I get to keep my title forever. So if I'd have to win the next election, I think it's going to be Senator Auditor. Wow, Senator Auditor running for 2024 North Carolina Auditor. Why? I thought you were like going to be be hanging out and not doing anything else and just having a good time. What's happening? Well, you know, what happened really the story is my wife's a doctor, as a lot of people know. And when I ran for mayor and won, she was actually out of town. When I ran for Senate, uh, she was out of the country, both times with Girl Scouts. And when I announced I was going to run for auditor, she thought this is actually a perfect job. She said, well, we'll save some money. Let me go ahead and do the physical because make sure you're, you know, in physical condition for oh, no. stress. And she said, after the exam, she said, yeah, you're perfect shape. You're brain dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's probably a common theme that most people think because it's, why would you run? And you're not, you're not running for, I mean, I, I don't want to take away from it because get, don't get me wrong. We're going to get into sure. why NC auditors seat, that seat in particular, that elected position is so important. It, it, it's it's not a job that anybody gets any credit for. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. All right, to this year in the 2024 election, we've got President uh, Joe Biden running. You've got President Trump, and you've got Senator Jeff Tart running for NC Auditor. That's the order of hype, right, in the country? Well, everybody, I'm not even sure they care about the presidency anymore. It's really just the auditor's race. It's everything. <laughs> it just, just really trying to get people out to understand what is the purpose of some of these offices. And when we were sitting down talking about the NC Auditor's office, I'm going to just ask you from the jump, how much money in waste would you estimate is in play in North Carolina at a government, municipal, overarching NC Auditor reach right now? Over $250 million. I can probably itemize it for you where we'll categorize it. We'll get into some of it later. My favorite uh, statement uh, quote that I actually, the Charlotte Observer ran front page was, there's an endless supply of stupid in state government. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I, it's hard to argue with that. Something. But there are there are also, also like a lot of good leaders. So a lot of people think auditor, maybe they think, oh man, that's, that's, the, that's the person going to come after everything. It's not about coming after people that aren't, you know, playing by the rules, if if you'd say, what makes like somebody uh, out there like that within the auditor's scope? Like, like surely there's type of things that you want to reach and touch and, and look at and figure. How does that happen in your mind? Two basic responsibilities of the Office of State Auditor to perform audits. And we'll get into that a little bit. There's more than just financial audits, which everybody thinks that's all it is. It's not even close. That's a small piece. 
And then the second piece is doing investigations, compliant work, uh, quality reviews, a number of things in the department. But it's the office has jurisdiction oversimplified over any area or department agency that takes state funds. That's it. That's as easy as it is. It That's doesn't get any easier. Nope. Okay, so if you take state money, it's there. We can come talk to you. Okay. And we're really there to help. I mean, the state auditor's office right now has 175 plus professionals. It is one of the most highly regarded and well-respected offices and operates with about $16 million annual budget. I mean, it's a group of professionals that does excellent work. It's also one that I think a lot of people are seeing and visualizing in their mind as, let's be honest, a political weapon. I mean, at the federal level right now, the games that are being played, and my emphasis is on state, right? Like I think state and local is where we have our last stand of freedoms that, that this country was founded on. What's your take on the whole situation of the world right now? Well, let, let me be probably a little glib, and this gets me in trouble because I do this, but any official that would take attorney general, Department of Justice, state auditors, and weaponize the department, which is easy to do, should be taken to the curb and tased. I mean, it's absolutely anti-constitutional. It's anti-American to do that. That's not what these offices were established to do. They're really to help people get things done. And we can get into what and how the state uh, auditor's office can do that. The state auditor's office is one of how many that has subpoena power? Uh, three, I think. But yes, that's a nice little uh, tool in the tool bag to be able to ensure people will share information that they may not want to. I thought you were going to say that it's a perk. That's what I thought. <laughs> I hope it's sort of like, I was hoping it was more like the Senate title. You get to keep it forever. Oh, there you go. Senators <laughs> and, and people in the government, do they get to drive in the toll lanes for free? Uh, they absolutely do not. Okay. Matter of fact, you get t you can get tickets to all like all the university events and ball games, and they can be given to you by the chancellors. Legislators and elected officials are the only ones that still have to pay for them. Dang, the the streets are mean out here. <laughs> oh well, I'm sitting down with Senator Jeff Tart, former Cornelius Mayor, former Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce Chair. I've got the resume here in front of me. This thing, I mean, it, when you talk about experience, right? Like experience matters and, and all that. Like for this level, former healthcare IT partner with Ernst & Young. I've, I've heard of that company before. Uh, interim CIO place. for John Hopkins Health System. You see the drama they're in recently, right? Like, mm, oh, yeah. Sure. I won't bring that up right now. No, no, no. We'll, we'll save that for another day. Uh, CEO of Crib Phil, Philbeck? Philbeck? Yeah, Crib Philbeck. That's just my little private consulting firm. Okay. That I get asked to help solve problems from time to time for folks. Let me let me let me surmise what I what the past oh uh, seven minutes people have had to endure with me. <laughs> unfortunately, you, you're you're a nice change of pace for for the, our listener body right now because I'm usually the one screaming antics, whether that be about where's our funding from DOT for Catawba Avenue, why is Jeton extension with concrete sidewalks rather than asphalt paths for bikers. Uh, I've got answers to all that. I love that. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right, Senator sure. Senator <laughs> Jeff Tarts here. Official, right. I promise anything. <laughs> <laughs> we want to give a shout out to all of our uh, uh, viewers on Instagram Live right now. The interesting thing, right? The way technology has changed. Does technology play a role? We got about a minute till the break here, Senator. Does technology play a role at all for the NC Auditor's office? Well, it will going forward because of my background. And we need to kind of bring it into the 22nd century in terms of what we will do. And we'll talk about artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive analytics, and things along that line that can have a major role in helping it be more efficient and effective. 
speaking of analytics, API, AI, all of that. So I inputted into chat GPT. I put into chat GPT. I asked for the top 10 questions surrounding the NC auditors role in the state of North Carolina. And it gave me 10 questions. And Senator Tart and I are going to go through these questions on the other side of the break. 844-STUDIO-4. That's the number if you want to maybe have a little chit-chat with, uh, maybe you got a bone to pick with Senator Tar from back in the day. Let's see. 844-788-3464. You can call in. We're gonna t- we're talking about waste in the government. Who wants to talk about waste in the government? Waste management. Here's the thing. Bill's not here to screen the calls as he normally is, so you call in, you're going straight to air, okay? This is FCC-regulated content, okay? Don't get me fired out here, people. Today's Real Talk, coming back. Keep it right here. Today's Real Talk with Justin Kazepis will return after this short break on 1059-100.7 WSIC. Call now to speak with Justin at 844-STUDIO-4. It's today's Real Talk on 1059-100.7 WSIC. Today's Real Talk. The show focused on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Try not to break anything over here is really what I'm trying to do. I've got Senator Jeff Tart, Tart with me in the seat where I normally sit right now. And it's an honor to have you sitting there, sir. Uh, is it comfy? Is it still warm for my, my gluteus maximus this morning? I was kind of hoping to start taking over the morning show. <laughs> you you <laughs> did go guest host the morning show for, for me when I was gone to the beach uh, last year. And, and I'm so grateful for that. I was watching... Uh, the deer and the little mini crabs at Hilton Head uh, w- w- when you were doing that. So I appreciate you. Uh, Senator Jeff Tart, former mayor of the town of Cornelius, also state senator, consultant on numerous boards, chair of Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, uh, North Carolina Information Technology Strategy Board vice chair. So technology and the role that that plays, particularly in the NC auditors, uh, position given that you are running for 2024 for NC Auditor as part of the Republican primary, if I've got that correct. That is correct. And it's interesting kind of running down my resume. If my dad happened to see it and read it, he'd be proud of me. And <laughs> if my mom read it, she'd know it's a bunch of hooey most of the time. <laughs> she'd say, get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bart, I wanted to test the technology side because because you have stated, and we'll talk about it through, I'm assuming, these questions. So you tell me if there's also something relevant as it relates to technology sure. in, this, in the seat. Uh, Chat GPT, I put in 10 most important topics for the NC auditor in the state of North Carolina. Uh, let's Let's go number one at the top experience and qualifications that seems relevant yeah my minor question as I, I was saying earlier and i'm biased part of the reason i got into doing this is because of everyone that's running not quite the same experience that i have what i really would like is an ordinance that to vote every you have to read everybody's resume and background first the uh, experience three-term state senator so i've been in all aspects of the operating the state, building a budget. I was actually the chair of the committee that was, had oversight over the state auditor's office. Hold on. What is what does doing a budget have anything to do with the auditor's office? That doesn't seem anything relevant whatsoever. Completely relevant to know what money is being allocated, where, and where it is supposed to be spent. Actually, two of the real purposes of the state auditor's office is to ensure the accuracy 
and that the compliance that money is spent where it's supposed to be. And if you don't know where it's supposed to be spent, it's kind of hard to do that. <laughs> All right. So can you highlight for us kind of beyond the elected position in the overarching world of business? How vital is the role? Connect government to business, right? Like why the money in my mind, once they spend it, it's gone. Are you saying there's any way we get this back? Well, there is. And we'll come back to that. But I want to answer the question, politics. If you look it up in a dictionary, we all think of politics as the back room, cigar smoke, the deals being cut. Read Webster's Dictionary. It's just the art and science of governing a public body. It's just like running your business, running your household, whatever. Same thing occurs here. So my background as a partner at E&Y one of the questions asked uh, by one of the candidate forums, candidate said, submit questions you'd like to be asked to all of us. And one of them said, well, ask everybody how much audit experience they have. Really an unfair question. <laughs> Do you really want that question among all of us? I've done audit work with clients in all 50 states and five foreign countries. Oof. I mean, this is what I do for Glitz and glam, baby. This is it right here. And it's more than just doing audits are more than just financial, independent financial management audits, right? That you think that what creates a input into an annual report and et cetera. But there's operational audits. There's performance audits. There's risk assessment audits. There's compliance audits. There's IT audits. So there's a whole host. And the Office of State Auditor, I bet you less than 20% of their total responsibility is an actual independent financial audit that, you know, the accounting firms do, even though they can. You've answered two and three for me now. Transparency and accountability. I think we went through that, right? Audits, the money trail. Money don't lie. When you when you can move one to one and one to two and everywhere around, it, there's a trail. There's a trace. Well, they're supposed to be. Well, that's fair. What about Bitcoin? You got to take on Bitcoin? You want to throw that on the record right now? Uh, well, I... The things that will be important technologically will be, and we'll talk about it in a minute, AI is going to have a role, blockchain is going to have a role, clean technology is going to have a role, and so will cybersecurity. Those, those are trends we need to pay attention to and then integrate into how we deliver in the auditor's office. Isn't, isn't the register of deeds right now basically like a blockchain, just like in a different, like doesn't utilize the actual technology side of it, but the principle is, is a blockchain? Well, in a sense, so is accounting. And if you take a chart of accounts and a general ledger, it's kind of a blockchain in a sense. It's just not locked down tight and everybody can play with the numbers, right? That's right. It's, can... it's the old adage when you had a business, you need three sets of books, yeah. one for your investors, one for the bank, and one that uh, you have for the IRS. I always thought of it as fake it till you make it. That, that's how I've done it. All right, number three, auditing priorities. What would you say is the number one auditing priority right now for the North Carolina? For North Carolina? Well, first and foremost is the largest agencies in the state. So that's things like Health and Human Services, Department of Transportation, Department of Revenue, Department of Public Instruction. Those those are some of the largest ones. And we need to do full financial independent audits of those agencies to make sure those monies are going where they're supposed to. I had actually passed legislation to have those offices audited every two years because most of them, a full audit, financial audit, hasn't been done in decades. Now, we do CAFRs every year. We can get into what CAFRs are and all of that good stuff. No, I'll let you, when you get into the role, Lord willing, then you <laughs> will, will take care of all this because I want, I don't have the time for all this, but you have clearly offered to do it. Why, why do it, though? Like, you're, you're chilling. You could have been retired. You could be on a beach anywhere in the world you want right now, and you're choosing to do this. It's, again, I don't mean to take anything away from all the other folks that are running, but they don't have the background to run 175 
F- FTEs, professionals in doing consulting and accounting work and managing the office. They've got good skills. They're good people. It's just, you know, I'm part of running a $45 billion, 400,000 employee organization. And I've run two startups from ground zero to multi-million dollar national practices. Uh, it's dealing all the HR issues. It's dealing with practice management issues. It's dealing with relationships and communications to executives being the general assembly. It's dealing with taxpayers and consumers. How do we communicate? That, that's not just, you know, you step out of the backyard and say, okay, out of college, I want, I'm ready to go do this. You won't be able to. Fraud prevention is number four. That's, that seems like a, a solutions-based conversation. It is, it's problem solving and forensic auditing and forensic accounting at its best when it's doing good things. There's fraud in a number of things. Let's just look at one area, Uh, the payroll protection program that we just recently went through. PPP loans. PPP loans. The GAO estimates that one out of every six is fraudulent. We need to go find those and get that money returned. Now, whoa, whoa, you say fraudulent. Are you talking about like, uh, you know what? I, I had to estimate on there, Senator Tart, about my income level, what it was going to be my employees. Do you mean that level of fraud or what do you mean? No, I mean, that's abuse and that's different. We'll talk about waste and abuse. Fraud is people, companies that applied for PPPs, received them, and they don't actually exist. Those companies are on paper only that people uh, submitted loans and then stuck that money in their pocket. One out of six. One out of six. Now, the abuse side is I know of companies in North Carolina, we were talking about a a company this morning that unsolicited received monies, had had loans, but the amount they were given, $11 million on when they requested like 300,000 and kept it. They didn't Mm. say, oh, by the way, overpayment. Nope. Just stuck it in a bank account for now. Mm. That's wrong. We we need to go collect that and get it back. Mm. And, and I always think of like when the government like spends the money, right? Like if I think about the federal government, federal taxes, they're spending money years in advance already of what they're collecting right now. Are you thinking then that again, there's ways to get this back and bring it back in? Like there's so much waste we can actually go collect still at this point or it's gone? I think there's in the healthcare and human service area, there's over a hundred million dollars we can go collect. The crazy part is that's a recurring number annually. So I think there's ways if we put the right tools, um, we can actually prevent that from occurring at the same level. You won't stop all of it. But so one of the first activities I want to do is create a uh, fraud and abuse uh, detection and prevention center, which will hire AI engineers, will bring in data analytics experts, and that sort of skill set from an IT perspective. And we'll start using technology to help us find this. I know it's it, maybe this is an analogy people can relate to a little bit. We have to be careful not to abuse it, but we were talking earlier about the movie um, Minority Report with mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Yep. You know, we can predict where this is going to occur and when we can reduce it and help people not be tempted to do things like that. If this was Minority Report, I don't know if I could volunteer myself to be one of those three people that lay in that bathtub the whole time, you know what I mean? Like, the, I, I, I pace a lot. Yeah, the precogs. <laughs> the precogs. Yeah, I don't that, know if I could that's do That's my that. first three hires. <laughs> <laughs> Collaboration with agencies. That sounds like a, the word I can put in place of that if it's a synonym is relationship. What, what's the importance of relationship at the NC Auditor seat? Well, like everything in life, relationship's the center of it, whether it's your wedding and the relationship you have with your wife or spouse the rest of the time. Um, 
or significant partner. It's relationship at the General Assembly and in government is everything because there's trust factors, communication issues. So the, the ability to walk in, I probably know half of the people in the General Assembly anyway, by name, uh, I have because of the role, I can actually still go on the chamber floor, which is kind of a unique thing, kind mm. of fun. But it's, it's the ability to be trusted and work across the aisle in this case. And I know a lot of people in the primary are going to go, oh, no, we need to shut down the other side. No, we need to actually work together because we're trying to achieve the same result, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's really what it should be about, the common good of the, the people of North Carolina. I think is that is that the common principle? Well, it uh, is what we're all about every day, taking care of those that need to be taken care of and allow those that can be left alone to go prosper and do great things. I have to let Joe Vagnone in the door right now next oh, to no, his no show way. is next. Yeah, at four o'clock. So we're going to go to break real quick. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to let Joe Vagnone, who's hanging out outside of Studio C right now. He's texting me. He says he's going to break down the door. At least I have a witness in here with me. That witness, Senator Jeff Tart. Uh, running for North Carolina auditor in the 2024 race. Auditor, uh, auditor, I know, is one of the sexiest positions out there. So it's really about hitting that campaign trail and making sure that when you go in, it goes Senator Tart, then your presidential candidate, and then the next. So that, that's how it And I'm works. not wearing a Speedo if we win either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one up, technology and innovation. We're going to talk about AI. How is that going to play a role at the NC Auditor's Office? Today's Real Talk, coming right back. More of today's Real Talk with Justin Kazepis coming up on 105.9, 100.7 WSIC. Local starts here. Now, more of today's Real Talk with Justin Kazepis on 105.9, 100.7 WSIC. Local starts here. Today's Real Talk, the show focused on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Joined today by Senator Jeff Tart, who's in the chair I normally sit in, but that is, I'm fine with you sitting there, by the way. I don't mean that in any offensive approach. I hope I don't. Uh, running for North Carolina auditor in 2024. Uh, his wife agrees. I'm starting to understand. He's just completely bonkers in the head because he actually cares. I, it's hard I th- to find people who care. I think my wife just wants me out of the house. <laughs> Make it easier. Yes, go do an elected position that will probably take up a significant portion of your time. Uh, number six on the list, as I put into chat GP, GPT, what are the 10 most important things for being uh, um, the NC auditor? And I, we've c- talked about five out of the 10, technology and innovation, AI. Why is AI relevant? Well, AI oversimplified, uh, so people understand. I think most do. It's, it's trending right now. The technology is advancing to where it's useful. You are on it with ChatGPT. AI is embedded in it. And AI's artificial intelligence is nothing more than machines learning to try to think like humans. So the, it has the ability to accelerate and create efficiencies and accuracies around data analytics, uh, problem solving, critical thinking. And those are all attributes that are needed in the auditor's office. And I will tell you, as far as my technological background, as I said, uh, CIO Magazine, uh, Chief Information Officer Magazine, selects the top 100 CIOs in the nation every year. I was once selected as one of those guys. Uh, NC Tech, which represents over 600 tech organizations and all the universities in the state of North Carolina. I was named the NC Public Leader of the Year by that organization, which in the past they included two governors, included the current executive director of the CDC, 
and a guy by the name of Erskine Bowles, who is President Clinton's chief of staff. So it's a pretty nice honor to be able to wear. Not bad. Not sure I deserved it. Yeah. It's it nice they gave it to me anyway. But you had it. You had it. Budget oversight. What does what what money have to do with it? What does budgeting have to do with the role at the NC Auditor's Office? Well, like we talked about earlier, if you don't know where the money is supposed to go, how do you measure, did it actually get there? And that's really a big responsibility to the taxpayers. You know, most people don't mind being taxed if they perceive there's a value and it's going to the things it was supposed to do. And again, that's the auditor's responsibility to ensure and report the facts and accurately where that actual dollar was spent. The next one is community engagement. I think I can go ahead and answer that. You're on the radio right now, so I appreciate your time and coming on the radio and talking with people. That's pretty cool. Uh, Environmental and social responsibility. What the heck does the environment have to do with, or is that like the workplace environment? Is that like the earth and raining and you're the reason why it's just the forecast systems move their way around the lake and the nuclear power plant? Uh, A little bit of all the above. You know, actually, environmental audits are a responsibility of the state auditor's office, and and it does include both of those, both what we think of the environment externally, outside, are we doing the things we're supposed to be doing, uh, because the Department of Wildlife, uh, Department of DEQ, what was old DEQ, Department of Environmental Quality, uh, which is what it is now, it was Diener when I was in, but that measures all of those things. So are they following the dis- even rules on disposal of waste. It's things people don't realize. Um, the environment of a board, a municipal board, are they following open meeting laws? Those are responsibilities to be com- the compliance tested. In universities, Title IX, are Title IX rules and laws, is that environment and those laws in compliance? We have a responsibility to monitor and review that and audit that. Ethics and independence. So this is obviously the one everyone's concerned about, right? Even if, even if let's say, part, let, let's 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 be honest with the people right now for a second. If you're if you're going to be a Mister Independent, okay. If Trump wins by a landslide in Iowa tonight, there's a blizzard, right? Like, let's be honest. MAGA people are coming out to vote out of any of the groups for a candidate. What do you think that says about like the actual environment of ethics, independence, media? What do you think it says about all that? Well, I'm not sure the caucuses say a thing about the ethics of that, other than that we have the ability, the freedom, and the liberty to choose our elected leaders. And I think that's what makes the process great. It's kind of making the sausages we know is pretty ugly. Ethics and politics, I'm not sure that's not a, or an ethical politician. That might be an oxymoron these days, but uh, the auditor's office, it's absolutely critical. And and this one's going to probably not please a lot of people, this answer. I'm, I'm getting close to being over the uh, political uh, party bashing both sides. And we need to be collaboratively working together on the auditor's office, at least. I get reasons why we disagree on social issues and those things. But numbers are numbers as a general rule. And they don't have a bias. Uh, they don't have an opinion per se. They, it's merely what are the facts. But it is important to put ethical people in. And I think as a general rule... You know, 95% of those running and for office fit into that category. Good people want to serve. And I think we see that with a number of people that are running for various offices right now. You've seen Raleigh, you've seen the different political, you know, ways things are managed at different levels and all that, right? Like, I, I've never worked in Washington, D.C., never worked in the state legislature, right? I've never done and been in that environment. 
there's a lot of good people that do work in that. Am I wrong? Like there's like, nor there are normal people in government, are there not? Or is everybody in government crazy? And this will maybe shock people, but there are some really tremendously brilliant people in government. And there, it's the challenges, the scope and magnitude of the issues and the problems you get to work on, things that impact not just one or two people, but impact every single person in the state of North Carolina are issues and solutions that are being addressed in the legislature in Raleigh and around the state. Uh, independence, though, is a big deal. Uh, and I will state that it's a big deal as a, you know, coming out of a big six consulting firm uh, at Ernst & Young. Uh, independence is everything. Ethics and independence are important in that every elected official in the state is required to go through annual ethics training. I teach ethics uh, classes as well that we've done at the Chamber of Commerce. And independence is, you know, I'm not looking to run for anything after this. I have no vendettas, no agendas. It's just let's go uh, let the facts speak where they are. And we're going to look at everything and everybody that's within the purview. And we'll develop a rubric to prioritize where we start and where we finish. I've got, uh, I'm debating in my head, do I open the, the jar or not? The, uh -oh. the Pandora's uh -oh. box of the conversation. Give, well, we can always go into the next right. It's only Joe Vagnone's show next. So local biz now. <laughs> uh, so it doesn't really, I guess it really doesn't matter. Um, Education. Uh, half the budget? Is it half the budget at the state of North Carolina? It's actually the last I saw it was 50, almost 57 percent. And that includes K through 12 and higher education. So more than half. OK, you you got to you got to be wanting trouble to dive into that basket as far as the thought of looking at financial reports of schools. How is that? How does that work out in your mind right now? Uh we need to create a second office of the state auditor in terms of number of staff. I, I think the parents and the taxpayers of this state have a dire expectation to know how their educational funds are being spent. We spend, like you said, more than half of the total state budget. As a state, we rank 11th in funding education. Now, teacher pay, those are issues and other things we can get into. But we need to ensure the dollars for education are being spent on the programs and facilities and programmings and the pedagogy that those dollars are intended for. And that includes things like even the state lottery. The is, our state lottery is called the education lottery because the monies are to go to education that don't go to prize money and those sorts of things. And primarily for, in that instance, capital for building new schools. Schools are a big conversation. The bond just passed here, right? Huntersville passed, I think. Did they pass? No, they passed roads and parks. And then there was the Mecklenburg County school bond for CMS. What's your take on that bond package? Did what? you get, take a look at it all or what'd you think? Uh, oh, yeah. I've been, we've been in the middle of it from the chamber's perspective and then legislatively talking with Del Falwell, the state treasurer. $2.5 billion. When in 2026, when CMS starts tapping into that bond for the next 30 years, it will have, as one of 114 school districts, one school district will have more general obligation debt than the entire state of North Carolina. But it's because this high school 20 years ago cost about 48 million to build. The projected new high school that'll replace North Mech will be approximately $228 million. Again, we need to audit and pay attention to from the first day till the door opens that those monies are being spent appropriately, uh, contractually, and uh, per the obligations that they're set forth. And we'll need to monitor the bond as well.
and those monies are being allocated appropriately. We don't have a say. The auditor's office has no say in how much is spent, what's spent, but it's to ensure it's accurate in what's reported and that it's spent where it was supposed to, as I said earlier. I'm a, a real estate broker originally, then a real estate attorney, and then I've invested myself. And I've seen numbers and I've looked at, you know, plenty of different deal structures and all that. To think that one school costing $215 million, what you can do with that in the private world of investment is just staggering. Why is it that a public school can cost, let's say, two hundred fifteen? And like a charter school may not cost that much. What's Why is that so disparaging? And why is the Delta so grandiose well, between the two? Well, you know, explaining that Delta or understanding it would be a great uh, investigative exercise from an audit perspective as well. I understand based on what's been communicated to me why the new schools are so expensive. One is construction costs have exponentially gone uh, through the roof for one aspect of it. The other th aspect is uh, security. I mean, we live in an age now where we're aware of school shootings and the such, and all these schools being built now are a completely different redesign that includes bulletproof glass. It improves atriums that require multi uh, ways to clear through the building to get into the building. Uh, there's, it, it's just different. And then the third aspect that's really driven the cost is technology. These are you know, high-tech facilities uh, wired uh, with technology embedded uh, throughout. So the learning tools available to these kids is totally different than definitely what I did when I went to school. We're sitting down with Senator Jeff Tart running for North Carolina auditor in the 2024 race. You're listening to today's Real Talk. We're going to get into the other big behemoth, the DOT. Let's get into it. Why not? Just for fun. Coming back. Keep it right here. Today's Real Talk with Justin Kazepis will return after this short break on 105.9 100.7 WSIC. Call now to speak with Justin at 844-STUDIO-4. It's today's Real Talk on 105.9, 100.7 WSIC. Today's Real Talk, the show focused on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Joined today by Senator Jeff Tart, who is running for North Carolina Auditor in 2024. We just finished up a conversation about schools, about uh, waste and why certain buildings may cost more than others. How does that process work? What about the, the, the concept of like teachers pay and all that in the audit trail? Does that come into play at all? Only to ensure not setting the amount of the pay. Uh, that's not part of the conversation for the state auditor's office, but determining that, that those salary increases take effect when they're put in place, that the monies are going appropriately in the right place. Are the pension funds for those teachers and state employees, are they being invested at the proper levels and the right timing uh, of those investments? Yes, then we will audit that. Plus we'll audit DPI, which is the Department of Public Instruction, which is the overall agency that's responsible for our public school systems and the funding of our uh, charter schools. So yes, we will audit that entire enterprise as well as in, or can, as well as any individual school district as well. So my wife's a kindergarten teacher and the whole pension thing, right? Like, so making sure and ensuring that the pension is that, is that when people retire, because I don't believe social security is going to exist or if it does not in the same form or fashion it does today, right? Sure. I'm 33 going on 34. Uh, so by the time I get there, right? Like, let's be honest about the numbers and the way they'll probably work at that point. Pensions across North Carolina, is that all within the realm? It's in the realm to 
potentially audit that department, which is the department of the treasurer. Uh, but the treasurer, state treasurer is responsible for managing the pension fund. The last two, Dale Falwell and Janet Cowell, I know personally really well, have both cell phone numbers. Excellent people. I think one thing is the state can recognize is we are like one of the top five uh, uh, states with our pension in that like 93% funded, which is astronomically outstanding. But the problem is the health plan side. We're running like a $40 billion deficit. It is a problem that if doesn't get addressed, will hurt the state long-term. Auditing those things, yes. Looking at financials, looking at operational issues. Are we measuring the right performance indicators in those things to help? Yes. To, to actually apply the, make recommendations, yes. To apply fixes and actually address it, th- those things fall under the purview of different departments. DOT, the one that everyone loves and is waiting on to build the world for us. That the it's the DOT is the reason why North Carolina fails as of right now, right? Oh, we're the good road state. Didn't you realize that? <laughs> Give me the lay of the land on the DOT. DOT is one of the largest, most complex offices that you know. The last several secretaries. You know, actually, been really, really good people. I know the last five personally really, really well. It is just a behemoth uh, of a bureaucracy, though. Uh, one of my favorites uh, was the fleet management section. I remember they put out a notice to us. They didn't make it real public, but they couldn't account for 22 vehicles. Lost. Just I gone got, in the wilderness? Gone, gone. And I actually put out... a. Uh, a post when I, because this happened while I was still in the Senate, and I put out, actually, those were really, really responsible employees. They'd gone out, gone to a party, drank maybe a little too much, and Ubered home and just left the car. And I said, <laughs> if you see a state vehicle that hasn't moved for a couple of weeks, phone us, let us know, we'll come get it. Did it work? Did you collect any? Not one. Not a single one. <laughs> but you gave the effort. You cared enough to try. But, you know, looking at co- contracts and fleet management, those, those are really kind of nerdy type things, it seems like. You were into the minutia. But those are all the responsibilities of those departments to manage and manage well. And the state auditor's office to uh, review their operations and performance, audit them, as well as looking at compliance issues around, are they getting the discounts they've negotiated with the car dealers and the truck dealers? It's those kinds of things. Now, that's just one really small component of all of DOT because everybody wants to deal with the allocation of funds. Are we putting enough money into roads and is it going to the right roads? That's not a responsibility of the state auditor's office. But once they assign a project, so like they're doing the I-77 Central project, that contract and reviewing that contract and its compliance to the discounts and rules and laws that we've all agreed to, absolutely, I believe, is subject to the uh, roving eyes of the state auditor. My conversation with him, you can hear Joe Vagnone, right? Like, so I'm in the bullpen right now, but he's in here in the lobby talking up a storm before his show, Local Biz Now. I I could preempt the whole lineup with just talking with you all day about these topics because of how vital they are. I'm thinking about the future of North Carolina, right, and all of this. The money, like, and how how it comes back to the people and that process again of finding it and putting it in. Is there a formula, do you believe, for the DOT to catch up? based on all the money that potentially is 
wasted at this point within the system? No, and that'd be a good exercise to go through with uh, leadership over within DOT as well as the legislature. There is a department, there is a committee that deals with transportation. Vicki Sawyer, our local state senator, actually chairs it in the center. So again, relationships to collaborate with them, to help them look and identify where those funds are going and how we want to allocate going forward in the future. A lot of that's dictated statutorily and through strategic information systems plan and those sorts of things, or their strategic uh, transportation improvement plan. So there's a number of things that outline where it's supposed to go and how to go and how they're prioritizing projects. We actually could audit operationally, are they following the rubric on setting priorities correctly or not? Those kinds of things we can look at. There was the whole debacle at the federal level, right? With the IRS agents and getting all these 46, well, whatever the number was, right? Sure. Like, So how do you find balance in the grandioseness of these projects of audits and everything like that, that it doesn't end up costing the taxpayer a bunch more money just for Again, the finding the, the answer and doing nothing about it. Yeah, there you go. Well, I think part of the answer when you establish a rubric to prioritize should partially be predicated upon the fact what can you actually harvest and return, as well as what can you prevent from uh, going out the door you're losing going forward. So both of those go into, for lack of a better kind of simple financial term, is what's the return on investment? If you're going to invest effort, time, and monies to do a project, then again, what's the value proposition for doing it? That's a fair question. It seems like a reasonable question to ask. Well, it's a prioritization technique. It's just one of many factors that would go into establishing what the priorities are. Why Why are you so reasonable, I guess? Like, you just seem like a normal guy that just wants to, like, look at it and be transparent. Why are you so normal? Well, again, it's in my DNA. This is what I'm management consultant, accounting and auditing is my background for 35 years. I mean... It just, it's oversimplified. It's just solving problems and getting to root cause analysis. It's looking at fact-based uh, solution creation. Um, it's trained in it, both at Illinois, at Ernst & Young, finance at Duke, compliance study at Penn, state and local government leadership study at Harvard. So it's my academic background and it's my professional training and background. It's just what I do for a living. What do you do for fun? Do you like sit on mahogany and sit brandy or like what's your go-to when you get home? Well, well that, that it's bourbon actually is my, my favorite. Uh, but we play tennis. We play in a few tennis leagues. We travel a bit. I love to shoot sporting clays. I grew up hunting and fishing uh, as a kid and have continued to do that my entire life. Uh, and just now I've got my first, our first grandson uh, who's 18 months old. So you know, I'm working on his, uh, trying to teach him to be ambidextrous on pitching. Uh, we're going to start drills, so we get him ready to kick in the NFL. So he'll be multi-professional sport contracts. He'll be the first kid to be able to do that. Uh, so those sorts of things. Do you play chess? Uh, I've played chess a little bit. My middle one played plays quite a bit. I quit playing because I can't beat him. He was, <laughs> he was a Georgia Tech mechanical engineer. Oh, not bad. And then your your daughter is a pe in the pediatrician program yeah, like or something? My, like my wife. She's a board-certified pediatrician, but she's in her... She did a residency at UNC, undergrad at UNC. Um, but she's in a three-year fellowship for pediatric emergency medicine. So when she gets done, she'll be a pediatrician in an ER room for kids. Maybe you can answer a question for me. Uh, sure. the, the future of... I'm just going to throw in a rapid round to you now. This is okay. just us to chat. Future, future of farming in North Carolina. What do you think? Well, farming is an interesting thing because I grew up in a farm community. And, you know, 150 years ago, we'll do 
real quick history, 98% of the uh, economy was predicated on some kind of agrarian-based activity, farming directly or supporting it. Today, what people don't realize, less than 3% of the workforce works in the agricultural community. For North Carolina, it's absolutely huge. And the Department of Agriculture is another department that we have a responsibility to audit and look at operations, performance, financials, and all. Uh, Steve Troxler is a good friend, secretary. He's been there for a long time. Uh, most of these people, good, bad, or indifferent, talk about being friends. I got all their cell phones. I call them directly, which is kind of a nice act to, access to those kinds of folks. But ag's huge for us. It's it's a $91 billion industry. It is our largest industry in the state. We produce more sweet potatoes than any place in the world. Tr- tr- Christmas tree farming, one of our largest aspects. People don't even think about those things besides the hog farming, chicken farming, uh, those types of things that we do uh, throughout the state. It is critically important to us as a state. I've always wanted chickens. Is there a way around my CCNR so I can get some chickens at my house? Um, in the neighborhood you live in, probably not. But, you know, on my street, I've got neighbors about eight houses from me have a uh, chicken coop and about 12 chickens. I live in the dream. I live vicariously fresh, through the... Fresh, fresh eggs every morning. Do they share with you at least? Not... Uh, it's, I think, what was it? It was $3 and something a dozen. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just a nickel lower? Is that pretty yeah, much it than your local grocery exactly. store? Exactly. Justin Gazeb is talking with Senator Jeff Tart, who's running for North Carolina auditor in 2024. Uh, someone who has leadership experience, clearly, if I'm looking at the resume, again, former mayor of Cornelius, also state senator, chair of chambers, CEO of consulting firms in healthcare and IT projects, Ernst & Young, IBM, John Hopkins. I mean, it seems like somebody who, who cares about getting the job done. I think uh, I would audit that resume if I could. <laughs> Starting with that. So what about that? What's day, you win day one. What, what happens? Well, actually, we outline a first week, first month, uh, three month uh, game plan of action. First, it's getting in to know the people in the department. Need to understand what the most recent work is, look at the work, evaluate it, and then look at what the stuff's immediately on the plate and focus on it and get stuff done that we're supposed to. Okay, so you're going to take a systematic approach to the system that has been built and is in place, I guess. There is a methodology for everything in business. (laughs) Senator Jeff Tart, thank you so much. You've been listening to today's Real Talk. Catch the episode on demand anytime. Thank you. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.